We are in a series that, as I said, Pastor Joel, our senior pastor, started last week. And um, it's really, we're looking at the first part of what many consider the greatest sermon ever preached. And we call it the Sermon on the Mount. And the reason why it's called the Sermon on the Mount is because Jesus uh, had people sit on the side of this mountain, okay? And then he begins to teach them. I've actually been to the very spot where this sermon happened. And so imagine a, a mountainside and all of the people are, are, are seated and now Jesus is gonna speak, hence the name Sermon on the Mount. And it says this in Matthew chapter five, look at verse one. Now when he saw the crowds, that's Jesus, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside, Sermon on the Mount, right? And he sat down. His disciples came with him and he began to teach them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I'm gonna stop right there, okay? Now, eight more times, Jesus is gonna use that phrase, blessed are, okay? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those that mourn and grieve. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers, and blessed are those that are persecuted. Eight more times, Jesus uses this word, blessed, which basically means happy. That's what that word basically means. So what Jesus is saying is, is happy are those people that do this, or happy are those people that do that. Happy are those people who, and eight times he gives us some thoughts here. And we're gonna look at all eight of those individually. Today we're just gonna focus in on blessed are the poor in spirit. But I want you to know that that word happy isn't like what you think the word happy is. When he uses the word blessed here, happy are those that do such and such, it's a way, way weightier happiness. It's a God-given, Holy Spirit um, uh, something that happens within the soul of a person. It isn't a temporary uh, happiness that you can get when something neat might happen in your life, like, wow, you got a parking spot, you know, right next to the restaurant you were going to, and you feel happy for a moment. That's happy. I'm happy when I get a good parking spot or whatever. But that's not the kind of happiness Jesus is talking about here. The happiness that he's talking about is something way, way, way deeper and God only gives you this happiness if you're faithful. You see, a person can choose to live in a way that God won't bless them. Think about it. God's not gonna bless sin. If you choose to live in a sinful way, you choose to live outside of the word of God, don't expect God to bless your life. Don't expect to have that deep, deep Holy Spirit given happiness. And it's not going to happen. 
He's not going to bless arrogance. He's not gonna bless disobedience. There are a lot of things that God won't bless, okay? So in order for God to bless you, you have to be blessable, okay? Which is what these eight phrases, I think, are really all about. If you wanna be happy in school, if you wanna be happy in your marriage, if you wanna be happy in your work, if you wanna be happy with the amount of money you make, if you wanna be happy in your future, this series is for you. What we're looking at right now, what Pastor Joel started last week, what we're continuing today, what we're gonna look at over the next eight weeks or so, let me just tell you, wow. You'll experience happiness if you do these things. So let's get into the first one, okay? Blessed are the, the poor in spirit. What exactly does that mean? What does it mean to be poor in spirit? Well, Jesus isn't talking about physical you know, poverty. He doesn't say blessed are people that have no money and are poor. He's not talking about economic poverty. He's not talking about material poverty. He's not talking about physical poverty. He's talking about spiritual poverty. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. He, he's talking about maintaining a certain kind of attitude. And I'm gonna show you uh, three different versions that I think might help you understand what it means to be poor in spirit. The Good News Version says, happy are those who know they are spiritually poor. That's what the Good News Version says. I think I had it on the, uh, uh, I think we have it on, on the screen somewhere. They'll, they'll, they'll find it. The New Living Translation says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. Isn't that good? God blesses. There, there's a happiness that comes when you understand your need for him. And then the New Century Version says, they are blessed who realize their spiritual poverty. In other words, Jesus is saying that a person is truly happy when they understand that apart from God, they have no hope, that apart from God, they're doomed. And I wrote that down for you because I wanted you to see it. Because you need to understand what this phrase means so that you can truly experience the blessing that God wants to bestow upon your life. He's saying that a person is truly happy when they understand that apart from God, they have no hope, that apart from God, they're doomed. Why? Why will this attitude make you happy? Beloved, when you recognize that, that your sin has separated you from God, when you recognize that your sin has left you spiritually bankrupt, when you recognize that your sin made you basically a, a dead man walking, when you recognize these things, it's a good day for you. Why is it a good day? It's a good day because the Bible says that if you'll cry out to God and ask for his grace and his forgiveness and his mercy, 
He promises to invade your life with his presence. And when God invades your life with his presence, that's when you find true happiness. That's when you find a joy that fills your soul completely. That's when you find that deep inner contentment that we all want. You see, being poor in spirit means you just recognize who you are compared to who he is. You understand the, the complexities of what took place in Genesis chapter three when Adam sinned and brought sin into the equation of life. Luke chapter 18 gives us maybe the best illustration of somebody who's poor in spirit. The Bible says this in verse nine, Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. So those that had their own righteousness, they didn't understand how poor they were in spirit, basically. And then he tells this story. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed this prayer. He said, I thank you, God, that I'm not a sinner like everyone else, for I don't cheat, I don't sin, and I don't commit adultery. I'm certainly not like that tax collector over there. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, this tax collector beat his chest in sorrow saying, oh God, be merciful to me for I'm a sinner. Now listen to what Jesus says here. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee returned home justified before God for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And I think this little story here in Matthew 18 maybe best illustrates what it means to be poor in spirit. It's easy for us to become like that Pharisee, especially if you've walked with the Lord for a long time. It's easy to be a little arrogant, a little cocky about your walk with God after you've, you know, been in church for a while. You forget that your sin had blinded you to the truth. You forget that you were a dead man walking. You, you forget that you were doomed to spend your eternity in a place that was designed for the devil and the demons? You forget that? Unless God draws you to himself. And here we have this tax collector, this sinner, who was so broken over his sin, he wouldn't even look up to heaven. Being poor in spirit is a lot like that tax collector. You, you, just, you, just, you just know. 
that apart from Christ, wow, you got nothing. You're just, you're just bankrupt spiritually. Paul said this in Romans chapter 12. He said, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Wow. Don't think that you are better than you really are. I think that's something that Christians have to wrestle with often. Is we can think, man, look at us, man. God chose us. I'm a believer. My sins have been forgiven, man. I'm going to heaven someday. And we can become a little arrogant, a little cocky about who we are. I think Paul gives us a good thought here, good warning. Hey, don't think you're better than you are. The only reason why you and I are good is because Jesus Christ lives in us. He was good. And he's the only one who makes us good. I thought a lot about this passage, this, well, actually the last couple of weeks. Beloved, being poor in spirit is about having the right perspective of who you are in comparison to who God is. I think a good verse that might help clarify it a little bit more is found in Psalms 146, where it says, blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord, his God. Man, blessed Happy is, is the guy or the gal whose help is, is in the Lord of, the, of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord is God. Th- this would just be a, a, another version of, of that. This is the first condition for God's blessing on your life. And I do think it's number one in all of the Beatitudes or, or all of the, the blessings here. I think it's number one for a reason because if you mess this one up, man, the rest of them, I don't think you can get right. And so this first one is super important. And now what I want to do is this. I want to um, talk about the practical piece of this. And this is where I really struggled the last couple of weeks. I think understanding what being poor in spirit is, I I, I think some of these verses have have helped us. You know, the Lord blesses everyone who trusts him and depends on him. But how does it play itself out in our lives? I I, I really wrestled with... um, application, if you will? What, 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 what does it look like? What does someone who's poor in spirit look like? Because don't we all want God's blessing in our marriage? If we're married, don't we want God to bless our, uh, your relationship if you've got a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a fiance? I mean, if you want God to bless your business or your career or your finances or whatever, boy, you, you gotta be a person who's poor in spirit, but what does it look like? How do you actually trust and depend on God on a daily basis? So I'm going to give you two things. 
And I, I hope they're a blessing to you. I hope somehow they make some sense. I think these are two, two, two attitudes, two things that ought to be a part of your life that I think demonstrate you really are somebody who understands what it means to be poor in spirit. And the first one is this. A person that is poor in spirit will trust and depend on God's wisdom, not their own. They're gonna trust in God's wisdom, not their own. And I want you just to think for a moment. Are you somebody, I don't care what your educational background is, are you somebody who you really trust and depend on God's wisdom? I want you to listen to what Proverbs chapter 14 says. There is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. This is absolutely true. There are paths before us, before you, that they seem right. They seem like this is the way I need to go. They seem like this is, this is what kind of makes sense. They, they seem right. They, man, my, my gut tells me that's the right way to go. Or I got a feeling, you know, that that's the right way to go. They, they just seem right. But God says you gotta be careful because not all is what it seems. It actually ends in death. It, it, it seems like it's the right way to go. It, it's, it's, the, it's what the culture says you're supposed to do. It's what your neighbor says you're supposed to do. It, 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 it's what your professors say you're supposed to do. It's what your parents tell you you're supposed to do. It's what your girlfriend says you're supposed to do, right? It's what your boyfriend says is what you're supposed to do. It seems right, but it ends in death. I tell you, you ought to have that passage memorized. Somebody who's poor in spirit gets this. And because they understand this, you know what? Man, I am going to trust and depend on God's wisdom. Not the wisdom that's out there in the world, not the wisdom of Hollywood or the wisdom of, you know, some of the music that's out there or, or what a politician might say or what my parents might say or whatever all that might be. I am going to make sure that I am listening to what God has to say. Jesus said this in John chapter 10. He said, my sheep, and right now, I want you to think, are you one of his sheep? Have you given your life over to him? Have you surrendered your life over to him? Are you poor in spirit? Did you recognize how goofed up you were? Did you recognize you couldn't save yourself? You, yeah, pastor, I'm one of his sheep. Well, Jesus said, my sheep, listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. 
And by the way, if you were to look that up in the Greek, basically what it's saying there is this, is my sheep are going to hear me and they're going to obey it. They, they just kind of go hand in hand. You see, there are some people out there that will listen to the voice of Jesus, but they won't follow him. They won't do it. They will listen to God's word, but you know what? There's another route that just seems right. And they follow those teachings or those voices. But Jesus said, my sheep, they listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they will never perish. The wisest person that ever lived, who was Solomon, said this in Proverbs chapter three. He said, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and don't depend on your own understanding. In other words, don't depend on, on, um, on what seems right. Don't depend on your, your, your own wisdom. Don't depend on the wisdom of others. Solomon says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and don't depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. His will is right here, beloved. It's right in this book. I realize that you all have feelings about things. I realize that you all have opinions about things. And there's nothing wrong with having a feeling. There's nothing wrong with having opinions about things. But somebody who is poor in spirit, somebody who really understands the depravity of their condition, of their soul, will seek God's wisdom. They'll trust in it. They'll see God and how they spend their time. They'll see God and how they spend their money. They'll see God and who they choose to date. A person that is poor in spirit will trust and depend on God's wisdom for everything in their life. Not the friend's wisdom, not Hollywood's wisdom, or the culture's wisdom. They trust and depend on God's wisdom. Now, how do you get God's wisdom? Well, there are lots of ways, but let me give you two real quick. Number one, you spend time in the Bible. This is where you find God's wisdom. You, you read it. You, you listen to it. I read this all the time, but I also listen to it when I go on my walk. I go on a walk every morning, and I have a, a, an app, Bible.is, and I listen to about five or six chapters of the scriptures every day. I just, just walk and I just, I'm just listening to it. And all that I'm hearing, all that I read, this is God's wisdom. But I also think, you know, you gotta, you gotta take out a number two pencil and a yellow pad and you gotta study a little bit. There's a difference between just simply listening to the word of God or simply just reading the word of God and then saying, okay, I'm now gonna study it. I think you also have to talk about it. It's good to listen to it, it's good to study it, but then it's also good to sit around a table with a bunch of guys or a bunch of gals 
I have uh, my son, my son-in-law, and my future son-in-law. On, on Mondays, we gather at my house and, and we discuss, we talk about the Word of God together. And what that does is, man, there, there's something that helps, helps it get really deep into your life. But you also need to meditate on it. And that's different. Meditating on it is where you, you, you take a verse like this, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and don't depend on your own understanding. Seek him, his will in all you do, and he'll you know, show you which way to take. It's, you just write that one verse down and you just stop. You just dwell on it. There are times when I'll be walking and I'll be listening to the scripture and all of a sudden I hear something and I'll stop, I'll pull out my phone, I'll hit pause real quick. And also on my phone, as you're hearing it, you can also read it if you want. And I'll just stop and I'll look at something, a passage. And I might walk another five minutes and I don't know why the Holy Spirit had me pause on that one verse. I don't know why. I just know I did. And so I'm going to meditate on it. Because the only place I'm going to find God's wisdom is right here. It's the only place that you're going to find God's wisdom. And so you got to read it. You got to study it. You got to talk about it. And you got to meditate on it. You have to. And somebody who's poor in spirit, you know what? They understand that. And you find them often in the scriptures. But there's a second way, and I, I believe that's prayer. I think when, when you just stop everything you're doing and turn off all your electronic stuff and you just find a quiet place and you begin to pray, that somehow in that time when you're talking to the Lord, that he's able to communicate to you through the Holy Spirit deep things. He's able to, I don't know, do, do things. I don't know how it all works. I, I know that this is primary. I know that. But I also know you can't discount prayer. The Bible says in James chapter one, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he'll give it to you. God doesn't want his people dumb. God doesn't want his people illiterate. Christianity is a, is a religion of the mind. He, God wants us to think. He wants us to use this. And it tells us if you want wisdom, you just have to ask. And God will give it to you. And he might give it to you by saying, hey, listen, go down and you know, talk to the church and ask them where there's information in here on how to handle your finances. Maybe, maybe God will lead you here and how you're to raise your children. Maybe it's here that you'll learn that God says that the highest form of love, I don't know, is to love your enemies. Boy, there's something we all need to gather some wisdom on, especially in the times we're in right now. So the first step of being a person that God can truly bless is, man, you gotta trust and you gotta depend on God's wisdom. But here's the second one, okay? And I'm gonna land the plane after this. 
A person that is poor in spirit will trust and depend on God's strength, not their own. Yes, we, we trust in his wisdom. We depend on his wisdom, but we also have to depend on his strength. Psalms 84 says, blessed are those whose strength is in you. There's a blessing when you really trust and depend on God's strength. If you really want God's blessing in your life, man, you have to do what God wants you to do. You have to do God's will with God's strength. And a person that is poor in spirit gets this. They, they have to do, they have to depend and trust in this. They have to live this out, but they have to live it out in God's strength. Psalms chapter 71 says, I will go in the strength of the Lord your God. One version says, I walk in the strength of the Lord. And this is the attitude of somebody who's poor in spirit. This is what they, 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 they look like. They trust and they depend on God's strength. Here's the deal, I, I don't care who you are. We all go through moments in our lives when we just get tired. I've been through a season like that just recently where you're just, you're just tired. These bodies of ours can only handle so much. And I can guarantee you that everybody watching right now, have, you, you've all been through seasons where you ran out of juice. Guess what? Um, God doesn't. He doesn't run out of juice. And when those moments come and I'm just out of power and I'm out of juice and I just feel like I can't do anymore, that's when I find myself sitting on the edge of my bed saying, God, I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna go do your will today and I'm gonna do it in your strength. And for some of you, you know what? Maybe you're a student and maybe that needs to be your prayer on Monday or Tuesday. God, I'm out of juice but I got a class today I got to watch. I got to watch this Zoom class. I, I just can't do it anymore. God, I'm just done. Maybe you just need to say, God, I'm, I'm out of strength, but I know you're not, and so I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to depend on your strength. Maybe you're at your wit's end at your job. Hey, wake up in the morning and go, God, I'm out of juice. I got nothing left. But God, I know you do, and I'm gonna trust you today that you'll fill me with your strength that I could make it through this. Maybe you're at your wit's end with your marriage, and you're going, I don't have any more strength for this. Can't do it anymore. Maybe you need to get up and say, God, <laughs> this body of mine is done. I got no more juice, I got no more power. But I know you don't run out of power. And so God, I gotta get through this with your help. I'm gonna trust and I'm gonna depend on you. The great prophet Isaiah said this, he gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. 
You believe that? You believe that he, he'll give power to you when you're weak? You think he'll give you strength when you're powerless? You believe it. He says he'll do it. He goes on and he said, even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. Let me put it to you another way. Those that have the attitude that they're poor in spirit will find new strength. Those people will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. You see, our love, our human love is limited. God's strength is unlimited. And here's what I want to do. I want you to rem- want to remind you of a few things. Okay? I want to remind you of just how strong God is, okay? It was God's power that split the Red Sea, not Moses's. It was God's power that had the walls of Jericho come tumbling down, not Joshua's. It was God's power that killed 400 false prophets on Mount Carmel, not Elijah's. It was God's power that kept the mouth of the lions shut, not Daniel's. It was God's power that kept the fire from killing Uh, uh, not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It was God's power, not those kids' power. It was God's power that brought down the walls of the the palace, Not, not Samson's. It was God's power that created the heavens and the earth. It was God's power that created you in your mother's womb. It was God's power that kept you alive even when you were an unbeliever. It was God's power that opened your eyes to the truth of the gospel. It was God's power that set you free from the penalty of sin. Beloved, somebody who's poor in spirit understands that yes, I need to depend and trust in God's word, his wisdom, but I also have to carry out this in God's strength. So I gave you two things. The first one is a person that is poor in spirit, trusts and depends on God's wisdom, not their own. And number two, a person that is poor in spirit, trusts and depends on God's power, not their own. And I hope that somehow, some way, those two things um, brought, brought some, something practical to this because God wants to bless you. He wants to give you a happiness that's just beyond anything that the world can understand. And it happens when you're a person who's poor in spirit, when you have that kind of attitude. And so I want to end with us just saying that out loud together in your home right now. Might be in your living room, maybe you're in your car, maybe you're in your motorhome, I don't know where you're at. But let's just say it out loud together, okay? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Father, thank you, Lord, for a chance to be together. Thank you for the wonderful music that we got to sing together. 
Thank you for the time of prayer for Tim. And thank you for this one or two little verses here. God, you want to bless us. And it all begins when we have the attitude of being poor in spirit. Help us, God, to live our lives humbly before you and others. And I pray this in your name and all of God's people said, amen. Hey, blessings, everybody.